0: me thank you
1: sorry Chris
0: (laughs) no thanks no I needed I was that was something I wanted to do but I just didn't get didn't happen um even though I'm excited I'm feeling a bit anxious and a little bit nervous about what this will be like and I have some of my own fears and trepidations and just the 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 change right there's some some anxiety with that So I've titled my sermon, Heavenly Treasures, Anxiety, and Return to Live Church, and we'll be looking at Matthew 6, 19 to the end of the chapter. So I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll, we'll get into it. So Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also the eye is a lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light in you is darkness how great is the darkness no one can serve two masters for each For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So for those of you who have been spending time in Matthew, um, you know that this is one of the four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. Scholars believe that Matthew was one of the 12 original disciples of Jesus, who was a Jewish man. And he was reviled in society because he was a tax collector for the Roman government. He oppressed his fellow people before Jesus called him into service. That's who who the author of this book is. And Matthew divided his account into five sections or teachings from Jesus, followed by the plot of the story. So the most important section of the Bible for Jews was the Torah, which were also the first five books. So Matthew was saying that the teachings of Jesus is a new and better Torah. And this section where we just read is in the middle of his, the first of these five sections, his first discourse or teachings by Jesus. And this is the longest of all the five sections, which incorporates from chapters five all the way through chapter seven. And this has been called the Sermon on the Mount because it says at the beginning of the chapter that he goes up to the mountain with his disciples and begins to preach to the large crowds that are following him. And this has some of the most famous teachings of Jesus, where we find the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, and many other famous teachings. So with this context in in, in mind, let's, let's get into it. So my message is only two points today. And the first is we need to value God's kingdom. Value God's kingdom. Jesus starts his discussion about God's kingdom by talking about treasure. He tells us that the first reason for living this life for heaven is that if we live for earthly wealth, it can't and won't last. No money will last. No treasure will last. And I'm somebody who has been really been excited about this uh, digital currency, especially Bitcoin. If You've heard of this in the news some. I think it's it will eventually be the future of money. It's digital, it's transferable, it's decentralized. even and even something as good as that, in my opinion, um, that's been hacked many times. So there's and there's been millions of dollars of loss. So there is no perfect system of money, of treasure, of the things on this earth. And this is the one of the reasons Jesus says that we need to store up treasures in heaven. For if we store up the treasures on earth, they will be destroyed. They will be devalued. They will fade away. They will be lost. You know, there has been—I mean, probably countless times—where I have just misplaced my money and just couldn't find it. I wonder. I thought to myself while I was preparing this, how much money, how many like hundreds of dollars or dinar have I just misplaced or lost or couldn't find it or moved or put in an envelope and forgot about it? probably more than i than i care to think about and i have, i've had investments you know and i've seen investments that were they were on the upside but then they completely devalued into almost nothing and i've watched that happen even in, in some of the money that i've invested and this is what jesus is talking about he is saying that moth and rust can destroy our earthly treasures now in our day, clothes are something that are cheap and you can get them replaced and they're mass produced. But in those days, it was a valuable commodity. It was hand woven. So the loss of something like a tunic or a dress would be a huge loss if it was eaten away by moths or by other creatures or ruins. That would, that would, any family in those days would be, would be hurt by that. And additionally, the gold and silver treasures that people had, what they saved up, their coins, silver or gold coins issued by the Roman governments, they would also corrode over time or be eaten away. Actually, that's what the Greek term means. It doesn't actually mean rust in the rust, the rust that we think of, but it means like something that's, that's eaten, like eaten by worms or eaten by just uh, getting old and, and rust and other things. Um, It's a consuming sort of idea. And he also says it can be lost or stolen, right? People have hacked into banks before and stolen money. I've personally been held up one time. I was in South Africa and I got held up at knife points and was forced to give up my money. It was stolen from me. Um, And even if we manage to keep most of it, if we make good investments, we also know that we cannot take it with us and it will be somebody else's to enjoy. So this is one of the problems with putting maximum value on earthly treasures. However, Jesus says, not so with heavenly treasures. If we put our money and our time and our resources towards God's kingdom, they are kept safe. Nobody can steal what is in heaven as a part of God's kingdom. The works that we do for Jesus the works that we do for God's kingdom equal a reward and a treasure that cannot be eaten up. It cannot corrode. It will last forever. It will have eternal worth, eternal value. And as, as even if, if heaven is an eternal place, so any treasure forwarded there will be also eternal. You know, we put our earthly money in banks and hope the money will be there, but there are no guarantees. You know, there have been runs on the bank before, even if in the U.S. they have an insurance for it, they sure up to $100,000, but if everyone takes their money out, there will not be enough to pay everyone back, right? There would be no help. However, God's bank is absolutely secure. It cannot be loaned out. It is not being rehypothecated or uh, on, on hold somewhere, and hopefully it'll come back. He is keeping all of the things we do for his kingdom. He is holding on to them. So they will be ours when we reach heaven. So we invest in God's kingdom because the rewards are safe there. He gives another reason in verse 21 why we should be focused on God's kingdom rather than our own kingdom. He says that what we treasure is where our heart is. And the heart, as we know, is like the seat of our desires, our hopes and dreams, our emotions. Uh, love and different feelings that we have towards people and towards things, right? My feelings for my wife, for my kids, comes from my heart and not my brain. And I get sad every day this week because Ellis been riding on the bus. I get sad every time he gets on the bus. I get sad every time um, I have to go to work and leave Silas with the nanny. Um, the heart is where I dream about the future and what I want from life and what I want to do. So what Jesus is saying here is that you can tell what you love and cherish most by looking at your bank account and your activities. We love what we value. We make time for what we value. We spend time and money on what we value. If you look at my bank statement, you would probably see a a good bit of what I love. You see, we get a lot of food, both for the house, and we order out a lot, so we love food. Um, Travel, no, recently not so much, but if you looked at my my bank statement in years past, you would see lots of money spent on traveling to different countries, seeing different cultures, hotel costs. You would see that if you look at my bank account. Investments, I'm also interested in investing, like I said before. So what Jesus is saying is that if we put our investments and our energy and our money and comfort in this life, then it shows where our heart is. That's not towards God. No matter how much we say with our mouths, of course, it's easy to say we've, all of us have done church before. It's easy to say with our mouth. Yes, Jesus is first. I love Jesus. What Jesus is saying though, is we look at your bank account, you look at your activities, that will tell where your heart is, is towards God or not towards God. So if we put our time, conversely, if we put our time and energy towards God's kingdom, it shows that we love and value him. We make time and give money towards what we value. This is why I don't like when people say I don't have time. I, I think that's silly because we make time for what we value the most. You know, I've heard people say, I don't, I don't go to church, I'm just too busy. What well, I think it's a it's a value problem, not a time problem, because we always I always make time for what I value that's what I do that's what we all do. So Jesus gives an illustration here, he says he illustrates this point by talking about the eye being the lamp of the body, this is kind of a weird. Transition into what he's going to say next, but you have to know that in Jesus day people believe that the eyes themselves possessed light and illuminates things. Now, as we think today, as the eyes are receptors of what is real, right? We, today we kind of understand that the eye receives information, but in those days it was commonly believed that the eye itself is what illuminates things that can be seen. So that's why, if you look in the Bible and other sources from that time, People with poor eyesight, their eyes were called being dim because the light in those eyes were weakened by disease. So the healthy eye is full of light and illuminates both what is in the heart, what's inside, and what's outside. However, if our eyes are darkened, and Jesus is talking about darkened by our own desires and the love of this earth, then we'll be unable to not only understand the world out there, but our own hearts. And then he drives his point home by saying you cannot ultimately serve two masters. If there are competing interests and loves, then you will end up serving one more than the other. One master will win out for the desires and affections of our heart, while the others will fall away and eventually be hated and despised. Like I said, because we make time for what we value and what we do not value, we will eventually no longer care about and will reject it. Uh, one silly example that I have is that I used to play video games pretty regularly before I had kids. I enjoyed them. It's it's fun. It's a good distraction. Um, and I played video games as a, as a kid and even sometimes as an adult. However, because I have two kids and I have a job and my life is super busy right now, I can't do both. I can't spend time with my family after work and play video games. So. I'm choosing one over the other, right? Video games aren't bad, I'm saying, but I can't do both because I can't serve these two masters. Now I have this fam- my family and my enjoyment, like video games. I just haven't played video games since Elliot's been born. It just hasn't happened. So Jesus is saying the same thing. And he's saying you cannot serve both God and money. Now, these things are antithetical. They are opposites because money from the greek means wealth and some of your translations may say mammon which means wealth so serving money and wealth is tantamount to serving and investing in our kingdom my empire my castle so we cannot spend ultimately spend time building our own kingdom while serving god's kingdom we only build put our energy into building one of these kingdoms And one will eventually possess our desires. One will rule out over the other. So the choice is we can either serve our own kingdom, which is shown through wealth and money, which cannot last and will be destroyed sooner or later, or we can serve God's kingdom, which is eternal and shows that we truly love God. And we want to hear, God, I hope this is true for me, that I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servants that's the words that we hopefully if we are christians want to hear that the most that we can he said we live this life well and we have entered into the joy of the master of the universe jesus so the big question is the application question is how do we serve god's kingdom that sounds like what does that mean practically to lay up treasures in heaven it sounds very like mystical and ethereal um what does it mean however i don't think it's that it's not like that if if you look at the scriptures the primary agent of god's kingdom in the new testament is the church jesus wanted the gathering of believers to be the primary place where as the lord's prayer says god's will is done on earth as it is in heaven and while the church is universal, meaning all Christians everywhere throughout time, all believers, we are the capital C Church. The church also very clearly means a local congregation, right? The letters of Paul were written to local congregations. They weren't written to the universal church. And I've heard over the years, you know, I came in 2008 and I've heard many Christians over the years say they're into Jesus, they believe, but not the local institution they just believe in the in the universal church however in my mind that's like saying i believe in the principle of working hard but i actually don't work it's just nonsensical if you love one you will love the other so the local church is where people go to hear about the good news of jesus sing songs to him like we will in heaven and to commune and fellowship with other believers. This is part of the vision of Crossroad International Church. Our church, we are to be an embassy for God's heavenly kingdom on earth. Now, if you think of the idea of an embassy, um, I've gone. To, I just went to the embassy two weeks ago to get a passport. Passport is my. The, it's a U.S. government document, and that allows me to travel. Um, I could not go anywhere in Kuwait and get a U.S. passport because that is. That area is has the values and the interests of the United States of America. I've also, once or twice, they've had embassy parties, um, evening get-togethers, and they would have things like pork and alcohol. I, you know, I went to one and they had um, uh, pulled pork sandwiches, and it was delicious, and I enjoyed it, um, even though pork is illegal in Kuwait. But in that compound, in that area, that represents the the rules and the laws and the values of that country. So just as the embassy represents the desires and interests of its country, the church is the embassy of God's kingdom, even though this is obviously very imperfect. We want to be a place that talks about, loves, and is devoted to Jesus in our worship, in our preaching, in our fellowship, in every aspect. And this is both for those who believe to get refreshed and reminded of what God's kingdom is like, because we spend, you know, most of our time in the world. We don't get to go to the embassy very often. We go to the church to be reminded, oh, these are my values, right? That's why, just tell me if I'm wrong, James or Brittany, but my understanding is that Uh, embassy workers don't stay for too long because they don't want to quote unquote go native by assuming the values and the cultures of the home nation Um, so that's why we go to church to be refreshed and reminded of what our home country is like which is heaven and it's also for those unbelievers who who want to know what god's kingdom is about what is what is god and his kingdom about if someone is a non-christian hopefully they could go to church and see what that's about So by going to and serving in the church, you are serving God's kingdom, which is laying up treasures in heaven. And yes, throughout this whole season of being online as a church, there have been faithful people who have showed up and served. I mean, just Eunice this morning and in many weeks has done worship for us and served faithfully. And I'm so grateful. And other people in the finance team, they're still working. You know, Matt and Joe Malol working to purchase things and uh, show receipts. They have been working through this time, and I'm super grateful um, that you people, and there's many others, who are clearly investing in God's kingdom. However, as we transition to live services, we will need many more people to serve. Um, We need people to be greeters. We need people to wipe down the chairs before service. We need people to help with corralling kids, people to clean up after the service. And that's just for this Friday alone. We will additionally, eventually need musicians to be on the worship team. We'll need people to facilitate small group studies, develop a functional kids ministry and so much more. There is so much work to be done and I cannot do it by myself. Abby and I cannot do it ourselves because we also have full-time jobs and it is difficult to do everything. So yes, if you serve, you'd be serving CIC, um, Crossroad International Church. But because CIC is part of the universal church, it is an embassy of the kingdom of God. We are one of the thousands of outposts around the world representing the values and beliefs of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I think it's even more special that we are in Kuwait. And we are one of only a handful of outposts in a predominantly majority Muslim country. And yes, there are other good churches in Kuwait, uh, but there are very few for a country of 4 million, and even fewer that clearly articulate the good news of Jesus living a perfect life, dying for our sins, and being raised from the dead to show God's vindication of Jesus and our own resurrection for those who believe in him. So this is, for you and for me, an amazing opportunity, an exciting opportunity, a unique opportunity to serve God's kingdom where you are truly needed. And there's not many other churches in place. You know, in the U.S., there are churches around every corner, and I think everyone who serves in those are also laying up treasures in heaven. But we have a unique position where we are physically to be a outposts where there are not many believers and we can have a massive impact on the culture on the society if we choose to and lay up those treasures in heaven now some of you may be thinking man i've been i've been online for so long i don't know if i love to serve the kingdom of god you know i've just been sitting at home in in coven the last year and a half and Like, I just don't feel any of that anymore. And I totally get it. You know, before I started uh, became an elder, it was hard for me to attend the online services as well. It was a challenge. because, like this seems so different. And uh, it just it's just hard. It was a hard transmission for me um, to being involved online. But sometimes as we go back, we're now transitioning again from online to uh, physical. But sometimes you grow to love something as you do it. And I've joked with Stephanie before that I love the kids more than you love the kids. And here's why because you have all these things, all these hormones and natural desires telling you to love the baby, but that is not, there's nothing kicking in for the dad when Elliot and Taz came along. It's just like, I'm just still the same guy. And I got this tiny, creature in my life that is, uh, you know, in one sense, ruining the life that I knew. So as I, but as I cared for the baby, as I cared with, for Elliot and Silas and spent time with him and had those sleepless nights, I remember just like crying myself because Elliot would not go to sleep for these midday naps and it was horrible. But as I invested all this time, all this emotional energy, my love for my kids exploded and now like i said i cry when ellie gets on the bus and i leave silas for work because i invested all that time it's you know you as you sometimes learn to love it as you do the actions for that thing your love for that will grow and this is what i've called the take it until you make it principle right you you might not initially love something, but as you spend time with it or her or him or whatever, as you invest your time and your energy and your emotions into it, God will God will allow that to illuminate your, your heart for that thing. So I want to challenge you, CIC, in this call to come to the live service and serve in some small way, even for a month. And I, as you engage in these activities, I can guarantee that your love for CIC and for serving God's kingdom will grow and grow exponentially. And of course, please text or, or email me or Abiel about ways you can serve. And there are tons of ways we can put you to work. Or if you have some way that you want to serve, we want to invest in your vision. So, That's my first point. That's how we invest in God's kingdom. That's how we lay up treasures in heaven. We serve the church. So my first point was that we need to value and invest in God's kingdom. And my second point is that we need to not be anxious or afraid. So after talking about investing in God's kingdom, he says, therefore, to not be anxious about your life, what we eat, drink and about our health and bodies The therefore at the beginning of the of the sentence there that represents all that jesus talked about that if his disciples put their treasures in heaven rather than earth and serve god rather than money then there is no need to be anxious however if they primarily value their own kingdom and money over god there are many reasons to be anxious because they their, their personal, any physical or personal threat will jeopardize their fragile kingdoms, right? We will never threaten what we value most, whether that's God's kingdom or our kingdom. So he's saying that if you value God's kingdom most, you will, you will take risks for God's kingdom. And you got to remember that this was written not long before the destruction of the temple in AD 70. So Jesus is anticipating when he's talking to them the persecution that will come to many of his early disciples. you know, remember that in the beginning when Christianity first started, it was okay because Judaism had a special permission to practice a religion that no other culture conquered by the Romans had. And initially the Roman government could not distinguish between Christians and Jews. Like there's, they're both Jews, but one's worshiping Jesus who says he's the king of the Jews. There's, there were there are obviously many similarities. However, after that temple was destroyed in AD 70 Christians were exposed as not Jews, and they, they were persecuted both by Rome and by those who who were Jews at the time. And, that, and Jesus says here that life is more than clothing and food. And so while we need clothing and food, imagine. That quality of life, if that's all we seek after, if all we seek after is just food and clothes, that's not really a quality of life, right? Um, this is a trap of money, and it makes us want to store up more and more as a sense of security. And I've said this story before, but I remember a friend, my first year in Kuwait, he was a teacher like me, we at the same school. Nice guy, super nice, um, not a believer, but he started getting involved in tutoring, which is you can go after school and um, teach kids privately. and You can make 15, 20 KD. So he started doing this. Um, he started taught all day and then he started doing four hours a day at night. So he was, he would get home late and just go right to bed. And he, because uh, he, he was making so much money, he doubled his salary nearly, right? Uh, the problem was that at the end of that year, he went home and had a heart attack and died. Uh, and so, like, what is the quality of life that he had? He worked so hard for money that he could not even enjoy. And that's the trap of money. It makes us want to store up more and more as a sense of security, right? Like the story of the man, he wanted to tear down his storehouses and build bigger barns and bigger storehouses. But then Jesus said, your soul is required of you. So if that's all all we seek about and care about, then we will be more like animals than people. Life is about so much more, about knowing and being known by God, having lasting and loving relationships, and enjoying the beauty and all that God has done. It also means that life is about storing up treasures in heaven, because if that's where we we know we're going to go there after we die, then that is what we need to put our time and energy into as well. And then Jesus gives a couple examples of why we need not to be anxious. He first tells us to look at the birds. You know, they don't farm, they don't have a storage for bad winter, they don't harvest food. Yet you know, God allows birds to survive and even thrive. And because we are more valuable than birds, it shows that God will take care of us better than he takes care of them. We want to love God and put him as our main treasure, yet we also want to survive and thrive. However, if God allows the animals in nature to have a place and opportunity to be sustained by God, he he will sustain us. And we are God's special creation. We are made in his image, as Genesis says. And therefore, we will also be cared for, especially as being part of God's people. God loves you and he cares for you and he knows your needs. And he then asked rhetorically that, that what is the value of anxiety? It doesn't solve any problems, nor does it add to our lives. You know, in fact, research shows that not, it not only reduces our quality of life, but it reduces our lifespan. Anxiety, people die earlier from anxiety. And this is critical as people, more and more people are, they, their anxiety is out of control and people need to take medication. And probably more than at any other time in history especially with COVID and the cycle of news and just all this fear creates this anxiety in our hearts. And for me, I tend to fixate on it, right? Yet it doesn't bring any help, Jesus says. Although it may help us with a few things, many of the things that we're anxious about are beyond our control. I can't control whether my boss likes me or not. I can't control if there's a spike in COVID cases. I can't control if my kid is falling behind in school. I can't control whether my job will end or continue. And so many more. Most of the things that we're anxious about, I know for me, I can't control them anyway. So he's saying having anxiety is a waste of your emotional and mental energy. I'll talk more in a minute, maybe how we can get over that. Then he said, we should not be anxious about our clothing, right? Like I said, a, a tunic or a shirt or a dress was a valuable item. And he says that lilies, right, they grow completely naturally. They're flowers. They were more beautiful than Solomon, the richest king in Hebrew culture, right? These lilies grow and die, yet they are clothed in splendor and beauty. Therefore, his point is God will make sure that we have the clothing and things we need to survive in this life. He then recaps what we need to not be anxious if we love and trust God. God will provide what we need to eat, drink, wear, and survive. He says that, of course, Gentiles, unbelievers, seek these things like everybody else. They want as much food and clothing as they can get. And God is keenly aware that we also need these things to survive and to thrive and to grow. Even as we put our heart on God rather than money, God is not saying that Christians don't have a need for money or provision. You know we're not supposed to live destitute like monks and think that everything physical is bad because god knows that we have needs and he made his creatures to need to eat sleep and function and many more things to be successful in life yet god says the first priority for his people <coughs> is to focus on the kingdom of god and then god will provide for our physical needs not the other way around as we put his kingdom first then he will give us what we need to survive in this kingdom and the world we live in. We need to believe that God's kingdom is our priority and that his name is honored and the only holy, righteous, and true God, and God will sustain us. Finally, he says, don't be anxious about the future because the future will have its own issues and problems. Every day there is enough of its own issues. right? Rather, we need to uh, be mindful. And present with the tasks of each day, so there's a ton of truth to unpack here. But how do we apply it to our own lives? As I said before, the first thing we need to do is make God's kingdom the priority over our own kingdom. If we don't do that, we will never take any risks because we will do anything to protect ourselves. This is not the Christian way. However, if we truly put God's kingdom first, which I believe that we do deep down. If you are a believer, then we will be able to take faith filled risks for his kingdom. You know, many people throughout the history of the church have taken huge risks for the kingdom of God. Many have lost their families, their home, and their lives to stand up for Jesus and to be the church, the bride of Christ. Many have died in horrendous ways as a testimony to their faithfulness to Jesus. And for us, one of those risks might be coming back to church. Now, I think the risk is acceptable Let me be clear. You know, we've had less than 100 cases a day of COVID in Kuwait for a while now. Additionally, those who attend will be wearing masks and we will be social distancing. There will be hand sanitizer in several areas. The church will take these precautions to minimize the risk. However, of course, I cannot make any promises right so there is always going to be a potential of getting covid and i can't guarantee that no one will get it even with these precautions however i believe that the risk is acceptable as believers in order to physically gather and meet again with this in mind i want to have everyone to seriously consider meeting again in person and i believe that this taking taking this faith-filled risk is for the kingdom of god no it's not the same as being horrendously murdered uh for jesus but if you're taking a risk any risk for god's kingdom outpost in kuwait i believe that god will honor that i think it's a good thing to be involved and of course you don't have to commit for a lifetime if you go once it doesn't mean you have to go forever it's serving if you serve one time doing kids ministry or serve one time greeting people you're not locked in for life right if you try it once or twice, and you feel like it's not something you can handle, I respect that. You are not locked in by attending church or serving the, the church. But I would love, I would be grateful if you tried it at least once or twice twice, as a way of seeking God's kingdom and CIC. We will do our part, of course, to make sure that the risk of COVID is minimized through those things, mass social distancing hand sanitizer. At the same time, we want you to do your part by prayerfully considering if you can come back with these precautions in place and join CRC in our live service. This is what Jesus means by talking about not being anxious. If we love him and trust him, then He, we know he will provide for us. If God provides for the birds and the flowers and nature, he will provide for us. He knows that COVID still exists in Kuwait, and he is keenly aware that no one none of us want to get it. He says that as we seek the kingdom of God, he will provide us with what we need. I don't want to say there's no way we can get COVID if we are devoted to God's kingdom, nor should we be foolish about the risk. But what it says is that the things we need will be provided. I think that includes our physical health. Jesus also says that anxiety is not helpful or beneficial, and we shouldn't do it. So how do we not be anxious with so much anxiety in our lives, in our world? That's something I struggle with. I'm preaching to myself here. What does trusting God look like? I don't think it's a passive thing, but an active thing. First, we need to know from our heads to our hearts that the Lord Jesus is upholding the universe by the strength of his might. Nothing slips past him without him allowing it. So we need to believe that everything in our lives, God intends for our good and for his glory. And beyond that, we need to be, I'm a doer. We need to do things. We should take these risks for God's kingdom and get involved in the church. This is an exciting time, not a time for fear. We get to do what people have been wanting, to, we've been wanting to do for over a year and a half we've been talking about this. We get to meet and see each other in person. We get to sing songs to Jesus together. We get to God's, hear God's word in a live setting. We get to enjoy fellowship and friendship. Uh, we get to hear God's word preached. There will even be coffee there. Um, as we begin to meet in person, it will allow for other opportunities. We can begin to hold membership classes to teach people about our church beliefs and responsibilities. We can have life groups so people can connect with one another and share joys and sorrows. We can have a children's ministry that gets children excited about Jesus and about the church. We can begin to invite our friends and coworkers to hear the gospel in a setting that is a little more comfortable than a Zoom call and to see what it is we are excited about as Christians. But we need to take that step of coming back together. I know it's going to be difficult at first because we've gotten so used to doing online. The in-person gatherings are challenging emotionally and physically. Like I said at the beginning, if you heard me, you know I had my first week back teaching physically and yes, I felt like I needed to be carried home at the end. It was taxing physically and emotionally in the beginning, Um, but I know this next week will be better because I'm getting more used to it. Okay, interacting with students, live, talking to them, and it's better. It feels better. It will be the same with church. It might be a little uncomfortable at first, and it might take some getting used to, but God has made us to adapt quickly, and we will, and of course, we need your help. Uh, Like I said, we have full-time jobs and organizing the worship is about all we can do or preaching the word. Uh, And there's many places you can step up to the plate. And as you do so, you are putting God's kingdom first and will therefore have less anxiety about the physical things we need. As we conclude, let's remember that we cannot ultimately serve God and money. Let's accumulate those eternal treasures by serving God's kingdom here on earth. Let's focus and invest in the church, the visible representation of God's kingdom, which will show our heart of devotion towards Him. And as we do this, we can be less anxious about the physical and material stuff we need, like food health, food and clothing. This is because we know that God will provide everything we need in this life as we seek His kingdom first, and let's trust God for the future as we focus on today. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are faithful to us, and your word also says that even when we are faithless, you are faithful because you cannot deny yourself. So we know that you are faithful to us, and God, I pray that you'd strengthen us to be faithful to you in this time, that we would love you and devote ourselves to you and put your kingdom first. And I pray that as we transition to live service, that you'd strengthen all of us for the task, and we would be able to ramp up to doing this uh, new thing again, going back to a physical place, God. And I know you have great things. I think the facility is a great place for us to meet, and I'm excited, but I pray that you just strengthen us for all that needs to be done. We love you, Jesus, and we ask for this in your name. Amen. Amen. So, obviously, we're out of time. So I'm not. We're not going to do the psalm this week, but um, if you saw the email, you can see the location um, where it is. There's a Google Maps. We put a couple of pictures up that Abiel rendered for us um, of where it is, where we park, where we do taxi drop, drop off, and where we meet. Um, do people have any questions about that?
2: So yes, one more thing while you're thinking
0: about questions. Um, So we did a survey, Uh, I'll show you the survey results, Um, but it looks like,
2: how do I share my screen here? Okay, yes. All right, so here's what we got. Here are the responses, we had 16 people respond. And it looks like
0: the most people want to do it at three, eight people, second place was Fridays at five, um, five people, and then some smaller numbers for the four o'clock and one has six o'clock service. So I think for now, like what we said in the beginning, we're going to keep it at three. But that does not mean we are locked into that forever, right? We have any time in the afternoon to have our service, and if you feel like it's not, if that's three o'clock is not working for people, Um, we'll change it but we're going to keep it for a while now because that's kind of what the survey has said Um,
2: and
0: yeah so that's 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 the data I think three o'clock will hopefully work for most people so that people can have time for lunch have the service and then also be able to have some time in the evenings to spend time with their family. Like I said, it will only be an hour um, in the beginning, so it won't be too much of your time. We'll try to honor that in the beginning. Um, Yeah, and that's kind of what I have. Any other questions? I'd be able to talk a little bit more about getting to the the facility next week or
3: So Chris, just a real quick one, I guess yeah. we, um, for parking and things like that, it's best that we go up towards towards that school area around, around the corner, park up there so we're not clogging up the, uh, the villa area itself. I guess there's maybe some sensitivities as it's a, as a residential area that we don't wanna draw any adverse attention to ourselves.
0: Yes, thank you, man. That's excellent point. Yes, we are meeting in a villa in a Kuwaiti neighborhood and there are parking spaces in the front and we are allowed to use them. There's, about, I think, six to eight. There are parking places, but right next, if you if you make a left where the villa is, there is unlimited parking. And when, if you're doing taxi drop-off, um, don't drop be dropped off right in front of the villa. Maybe move to that parking area on the left as you move into the neighborhood. So they just, it doesn't, we want to be as respectful our neighbors as we can i've i've done service in a quiddy villa before and that um even though the obviously the secret police know that we meet there it's, it's obvious that they know everything that we're doing but we want to be respectful to our neighbors so turn left there's unlimited parking and it's like a five minute walk to the church to the villa from there thank you man that's a good that's a good point so we're just try to be respectful to our neighbors there. Any other questions, comments,
2: concerns? And again, if you have, if you have questions, if you
0: need a ride for this first week, uh, contact me. I'll put you in contact with some other people who maybe can give you a lift for that first week. I will try to be there early. Um, I mean, I will try to be there early so that we can help direct people and then We'll try to get some some at least readers at the beginning of the service so people can kind of figure out where it is. And yeah, but the, the GPS should work. Lead you right there. We have a picture that has what the what the church looks like. I had to use that when I found it for the first time last week and it worked perfectly. So I had no issues there. Good, any other thoughts?
3: Just one other, Chris, on a practical Mm -hmm. note as well, just from a finance point of view. um, If people are wanting to give just at the moment, it might be easier if you could use the the online system that we have. Um, We've got two accounts. We've got one that's got a link to our US account, and there's also an accounting Q8 that we have. Um, So that might be easier rather than having to handle money Uh, have volunteers to do all the accounting, have volunteers to go pay into the bank, all those kind of things. So just for the moment, it might be a little bit more practical uh, to do the online stuff. So if you need details, um, speak to me or John Malal. Thank you.
0: Yeah. And we'll probably display that information uh, at, at the service as well, like the account numbers, if you want to give or in the app to invest in, if you want to, to give that way yeah because it is it is a lot to do first with touching money and paper it requires a lot of precautions and it takes a lot of people to do that so yeah thank you Matt. that's a good point
2: i right, think that's it if no one has any questions
0: um i hope you guys have a great week um, i'm excited about this friday i hope you are too um pray about coming Uh, If you want to serve, you can text me or email me, um, and we can can put you to work, so it's not going to be a problem.
2: And you're welcome to stay on as long as you like,
0: or if you want to be done, you can enjoy the rest of your Friday.
3: Thanks, Chris. We're super excited for next week. Can't wait to see you guys.
0: Good, good. Keep your expectations low. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> baby steps baby steps <laughs> but yes i'm excited to see the people and hopefully we'll put something resembling a church together by friday yes <laughs> have a great week guys right. love have you guys a great week take care bye. thank you okay thank you have a good week thank you thank you, you.
3: Bye, bye. see you next week in person Looking forward yeah to it. live yeah all right take care see you soon. Thanks, Chris.
0: See you.
1: Thanks, Chris. Hey. Um, so uh, is everything good to go? Uh, I know you said you're gonna you and Jasper wanna go tomorrow and check out. Just to test out.
0: out the sound stuff. Uh, I, mean, I don't know anything. I'm just gonna be following Jasper. So um, but we'll try to make sure everything is functional. Um, And then we probably just need to get there early. I mean, obviously after their service, but maybe an hour or so early. Um,
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: I'll preach again. Um, Did you want Eunice to do worship or do you want to do some songs or what were you thinking?
1: Um, Are you going to preach on Matthew?
0: I am going to, I'm not sure. Uh, I I might do another just kind of similar sermon, uh, kind of an off-topic sermon sermon, um, just to talk about what we are as a church and who we are um, just for people who are new and just to kind of reorient. We will continue Matthew, but I wanted, I thought this week and next week, this Friday that we just had, and then next Friday, maybe do something just a little bit different um, would be a good way to, because if there's people coming that are not familiar just kind of talk a little bit about who we are as a church very simple maybe go over the Nicene Creed a little bit um and I haven't I haven't fleshed anything out obviously I just try to finish this Friday's and then I'm going to think about it but I think it'd be good to do at least one more and then do a week or two in then finish off Matthew and then reevaluate what we do next that's kind of what I was thinking okay so with the worship, is that something you want to do or no? You just want to, should I ask Eunice or? Uh,
1: Yeah, you can ask Eunice. That's, that's fine. If she, if she can or doesn't want to, that's fine. I, I'm available too.
0: Okay. So you want me to ask her first? And then if she says no, then point it to you?
1: Yeah. You could just tell her I'm available if, if she doesn't want to. Or just person.
0: ask her what she wants. Or if you want to do it the first week, that'd be, that'd be good. You know, it doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do, I'm saying. Okay. Um... So I'll ask her. I'll ask her if she wants to, and if she doesn't, then then you'll do it. Okay. See if she okay. wants to. Yeah. Um. Uh, I might ask you. I know we'll be there tomorrow, but I don't think I'll have time this week to. I would like to get go to the Gulf Bible Society and get at least communion cups and start having communion. You don't need necessarily have it for the first week, but I think it'd be good to make up for lost time. But I don't know if we would be able to get over there this week. I don't know if that's something you can do to pick up.
1: One um, thought is you could ask Ben if he has stuff. Um,
0: he said he gets all his stuff from the shepherd shop. So from the go five society. So I didn't push it. On the, like
1: on the compound. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't do that this week but okay. like we're just uh we're full on with kids um and it's a really overwhelming schedule so okay seven, seven to three with not really any breaks uh, we got okay. a couple breaks but we have meetings and stuff so
0: all um, right well i'll try to, i'll try to figure something out um uh but we're gonna need some materials to do that eventually
1: yeah yeah i think we can do that eventually i just can't do it this week it's a, it'll be our first full week right um, and things are still pretty disoriented at,
0: yeah uh, i hear you i had the same thing this week so it yeah. was intense
1: yeah it felt a day felt like a week
0: <laughs> right i i told I, I mean i wasn't lying when i saw i was crawling home